This is Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success with Stefan Horst and Dave Antiel. Welcome to the Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success podcast, where we talk with marketing and agency executives and learn how they build successful businesses and their personal brand. I'm your host, Stefan Horst. The topic for today's episode is the evolution of marketing against an increasingly resistant buyer. Here to speak with me is Sandra Moran, who is the CMO at Workforce Software, which is the first global provider of workforce management solutions with integrated employee experience capabilities. Sandra has more than 25 years of experience enabling global software and technology companies to strengthen their brand and accelerate revenue growth through a customer-centric approach. Having held leadership roles in marketing, sales, new business, and product management, Sandra has built and led high-performing global cross-functional teams to support the identification and delivery of substantial business growth. Sandra, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, Sandra, before we, before we discover today's topic, uh, let's find out more about yourself. Um, how did you get started in your career and how did you end up in B2B marketing? That's a, a great question because I certainly did not start off in a traditional role that would have led me to B2B marketing. I actually started out um, much more on the technology side. I was a systems analyst building software, uh, editing that software, implementing it with customers. And um, that background in technology, I couldn't have actually anticipated how valuable it would be to me as I kept moving closer and closer and closer to marketing. So um, starting with that systems foundation, moving from behind the screen to in front of the screen and pre-sales roles, taking over development, delivering solutions to market, once I built some of those solutions, I actually moved into a sales role to see them uh, adopted by customers and then really crossed over into the marketing side of things, leveraging all of those tools along the way. And I have to say, I'm not uh, unbiased in my love of marketing. I think it's the place where um, all of these things come together. I mean, where else can you be with some of the smartest data people, technologists, and the most fabulous creative people bringing those two sides together. So I was probably destined for marketing, but certainly didn't realize it at the beginning. Interesting. Well, obviously, today we want to talk about the evolution of marketing against an increasingly resistant buyer. So are there specific changes that you see in buyer behavior that have an impact on marketers? I do. And, um, you know, I'm going to emphasize, you've said B2B multiple times, and the, the majority of my experience is in enterprise selling in, in B2B with, you know, some experience um, where we were marketing to small to medium-sized businesses as well as an enterprise segment. So a lot of what I'm going to talk about is about enterprise uh, B2B selling. And what I think the fundamental changes in, in buyer behavior really fall into four areas. First, I would say the B2B buyers are, are much more sophisticated. They've been used to learning about implementing um, software solutions or technology solutions for many years. It's a, a little bit of a double-edged sword because they've had some great experiences and they've had some difficult experiences as well. 
even as they've become more sophisticated and the software has become more sophisticated, the second way that I think they've changed is they really want to spend less time um, with the vendors. Uh, Gartner did a, a in-depth study, and um, what we're finding is that um, the majority of the time that a buying decision is being made, it's being made outside of their interactions with suppliers. In fact, about 17%. And at first I was thinking, wow, 17% we get to spend with them. No, 17% across all of the suppliers that are trying to sell to them. I think the Next way that things are different is we're seeing many, many more people involved in an individual buying decision. And when we've got more people involved, especially as that sale price goes up, we see more challenges with building consensus. So not just consensus for, is this the right solution, but consensus all the way through the buying cycle. Is this a problem that the company should solve, that they should prioritize over others? Things that they could do? Is this a problem that we all even see in the same way so that we're evaluating whether these solutions meet the needs of the problem? And lastly, do we have confidence that if we select this solution, that we will achieve the value that we thought uh, we would get by making this decision? And then I think the last piece of this is really about the sales rep's ability to articulate what they heard the buyer's problem is in a way that helps address the consensus that needs to be developed, as well as what is it about our solution that's differentiated in a way that matters to that buying committee. Mm-hmm. Now, the last point you mentioned, um, I think is really interesting because obviously, as you mentioned, the market has become so busy with different solutions that all do the same or similar things, right? And kind of to to stand out there sometimes can be really difficult. Now, you talked about that what the role of the sales rep is, but from my perspective, obviously, marketing has to first get that prospect to the sales rep. So how do you, from a marketing perspective, deal with that changing behavior and, and, and stand out and shout louder or, or or make yourself look more attractive so that people actually come to your company to and, and want to inquire about your solution instead of that of your competitors? Yes. So I think marketing has to change because the buyer has changed. And understanding that their behavior has changed and becoming a partner to them in their need to self-educate. So I already mentioned they don't really want to talk to us. They want to spend less and less time with us. They think they do, even though they're trying to make a decision that um, is sometimes difficult for them to discern the difference among vendors. So I think marketing can do that by making it easier to, um, to support that education process um, I never believe that because somebody wanted to download one piece of content <laughs> to educate themselves, that all of a sudden I should start bombarding them with hundreds of emails, unwanted emails. But what I can do is make sure that my content is available to them. I can make it easier for them to interact with us. I can deliver content that is richer in its point of view and its ability to help them navigate through that education period. 
And so one way that marketing can change is to make sure that we're offering that content. I don't actually believe all that content needs to come from me. It could come from multiple sources. There's so much data available. That's actually one of the complaints that buyers have, that there's so much to consume. It makes them harder to assess. So can I take them through a streamlined experience that supports what I know that they want to do and then not bombard them with emails, cold calls? I can really be true and authentic to this change in buyer behavior. So are you then approaching this more? You're you're obviously providing the content. You you invite them to educate themselves about the market, about your solution, and you're almost waiting for them to make the next step to say, "Hey, let's let's talk." I'm making a more clear statement about I want to talk to someone on within your company about your solution. Well, I try to do that, but I also do try to nudge them along. So, you know, in our particular case, we've implemented some technology that helps me detect when customers are in market. Um, when they're in market for the kinds of solutions that we provide. So I've shifted from a more email-focused, heavy bombardment strategy to a persistent ever strategy. So as soon as we detect that companies that are in our target market are actually evaluating solutions like ours, we start digital advertising that is more oriented toward thought leadership, that why change, why now, um, why is this the time that you should be possibly even reframing the way that you think about potential solutions? When we draw them to us, so we're getting above average, uh, you know, click-through rates because we already know the individual is out there searching for solutions <laughs> like ours. Uh, they can see our content, following them around with the kind of messages we know they're searching for. And what I would say is, as opposed to forcing it on them, I'm making it available to them, obviously knowing what they're looking for. And I'm changing that content as I see them move from awareness to finding us. Now I know they're on my side. I know what they've consumed. Ultimately, when they're in a selling cycle with with us, I'm thinking about what are those things that are going to give them confidence that we're the right company for them and that they're going to be successful. So I'm following them around in the digital world and varying the content as I see them moving through our sales cycle. So less interruption, but more oriented toward what matters to this buyer at this phase of their buyer's journey. It's more guidance at the end of the day, right? So you, you guide them through the process by providing them the information for each of the steps at the end of the day. Now, have the channels that you use changed? You mentioned a second ago, obviously, in the past, you might have just bombarded them with emails. What are you using now? You, you talked about, you know, you're doing this play, et cetera. Are there any other solution that you might not have considered in the past that you're using now to, to guide prospects or through, the, through, the, through their journey? Yeah, we are far more uh, using far more channels than I think marketers did in the past because buyers are individuals at the end of the day. So uh, a lot more video content, a lot more across multiple channels. Um, Some people will respond in LinkedIn and social. Some people still do want to educate themselves through webinars. Some people do want to download and read. 
And it isn't as if I have abandoned email. I mean, we use uh, email as part of our outreach for you know, potential buyers as we see them coming into a buying journey. Um, what I am suggesting is that that isn't the only tool that I use anymore because there are so many other <laughs> tools in our quiver today from digital ads to um, various types of content that we can offer to them because I need to reach buyers. Buyers are people and people have different preferences. So I find this sort of surround sound <laughs> marketing is necessary and what one person educates themselves with might not be what another person chooses to educate themselves with. So for me, it's it's very personal. And it's about having multiple ways to reach the individuals that, that are, you know, at the end of our targeting. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, especially in, you know, before we jump on the on the episode here, we talked about how many people are these days involved in, in kind of making a buying decision, whether that's the person that uses the software, whether it's IT, work, finance, who probably starts the negotiation when you're on an enterprise level. Um, and you want to kind of have communication with almost all of them because all of these people have different needs. All of those people have are convinced by different aspects that your solution is the right solution at the end of the day. And, and in that case, you got to have content for each of those groups um, so that they are satisfied and in the end all together make the right decision. Now, um, what are some current marketing tactics that help influence modern buying decisions? You, you know, you briefly for in their webinars, for example, but talk a little bit more about that. So I think, you know, for us, we've leaned very heavily into um, intent-based marketing, you know, really um, taking the time to learn um, not only about the organization, but about their past behavior with us, and then leveraging that data about the company and the individuals inside that company to help do what you and I were just talking about, which is what is the most effective channel to reach the individuals along that buying cycle? And not just as individuals, but recognizing that there are various buying groups and understanding enough about the way decisions are typically made to ensure that we have involvement from all of the areas that we need to in order to conclude the sale, not with no decision, but with a decision in our favor. And, you know, we see a lot of increase in the number of abandoned deals, deals that just don't close. And part of that is because I think this increasing complexity, this uh, inability to drive consensus is underlying that. So one of the technologies that we're using shows us intent. It shows us intent across the buying committee. It shows us engagement across the buying committee so that we're going back and making sure that we've got uh, the right team on our buying committee and that we're serving them the kind of content that we need to for them to have confidence in the decision. That's, that's really interesting. And, uh, that you talk about more and more deals are abandoned. You know, you have great conversation. It sounds like it's a perfect match and you just things like, Hey, you know, they just need to put their signatures down there. Um, and in the end they just fall through. Now the software you mentioned obviously is something that is really 
interesting and, and, and helpful for companies to, to kind of take a little bit of the mystery out. What, what will it take for someone to to say yes and, and, and sign a contract? But is there anything else that um, that you use to overcome the fact that more and more deals are abandoned? We are very heavily leveraging um, past relationships. So um, one of our best uh, buyers and therefore uh, influencers of buying decisions are past customers. So, um, you know, this isn't a digital marketing tactic, but it is a marketing and sales motion uh, as part of our go-to-market motion. And that is, what are the things that we can do to increase confidence in the decision? So that's increasing customer success stories. That's creating opportunities for customers to interact with each other. So mixing customers and prospects in either digital environments or in um, in-person environments as, as we're starting to return back to that. So what I would say is we look at each stage of the buying cycle. We call it our best chance sales cycle. And we look at what are the tools that we're providing to our sellers that help our buyers not only come through that step to the next step, but come through it with preference for our solution. So what we've had to do is create many, many more um, individual elements to a marketing campaign, especially as we, I'm not just interested in producing pipeline, I'm interested in producing pipeline that closes. And I find that I have to have more tools to help with some of those things that I described at the beginning. Have I built consensus? Does the buyer think they've looked at all the solutions? Do they believe that they'll be successful with this solution if they adopt it? And is it differentiated in ways that matter to me? And that's led us to produce more types of content, to produce more types of interactions than we had to in the past. That's really interesting. I, I think I had a conversation on a podcast episode a couple of months back where the CMO of the company talked about the fact that they have webinars where their clients actually are on there and they do, air quotes, the selling of their solution. They're just basically the host, but it's almost like an round of people getting together, people that are interested and they ask questions to the to people that already use the software, right? And it's not coming from the company, it's coming from the customer of of, of that company that answered the question, which obviously creates a much stronger response on the prospect side. So that's that's really interesting that you guys are doing something similar. Now from from a marketing strategies perspective, what have you implemented to impact that increasingly resistant buyer? So we have implemented um, demand base as a technology, which is our intent uh, uh, platform. And platform is enabling for us this um, ad serving uh, by buyer cycle. We also have implemented personalization into um, our website. Um, we've also implemented personalization into our um, sales opportunities. Once they've, you know, they never leave marketing, we're in partnership with sales all the way through. But we find that um, buyers are expecting to see their name. They're expecting to see us articulate back to them that we understand the business problem that they're trying to solve. So a lot more personalization 
Um, so we've, we've actually implemented some additional technology that enables us to create buying centers that are personalized to customers. So I think leveraging what we know about the companies from research, from our interactions with them and creating these digital experiences that help us support a personalized journey from the beginning all the way through the selling motion are things that we've done specifically to address turning off buyers because of some of the older marketing tactics used against them. Yeah, I mean, from what you're saying, the marketing approach on your end sounds much more complex than definitely it was in the past, right? Again, we talked about email marketing earlier. It's like you're not not just sending emails out and bombarding people with that and hoping someone will kind of respond to you other than saying, leave me alone, right? Now there's so many different things you can do to, as you said, personalize different channels to engage with people to achieve the goal that you are after, which is creating a new customer. So how can marketing teams ensure new strategies or tactics are competitive and effective? So um, I think you have to be, as a marketer, very committed to implement a change, but constantly test and adapt. Um, I don't have any set it and forget it marketing tactics running on my team right now. We are constantly looking at the results across you know, every spectrum. Did I actually reach the intended buyer? Does the message resonate with the, the buyer? Do I have a demonstration um, that the buyer is having a positive experience from the content that's being served to them? And, you know, what I've said many times through this, I don't want to just generate pipeline. I want to generate pipeline that closes. So we're really looking at how are we executing at each step? And then we're also measuring overall effectiveness. Now, in B2B enterprise, I'm dealing with a very, very, very long sales cycle in this case. And so I wouldn't want to put something in motion and not test it at the right interval. So I am looking for signs or milestones that would be indicative of the fact that that tactic is working. And then I'm always going to be looking at what is the right horizon for me to assess whether or not this is or isn't working. And so again, at, at our case, um, you know, my CTA is not download this white paper and you're going to call me for a demo. Since I believe that they want to do things like self-education, then some of the things that we use to assess, is this tactic working? It's not just click through. I am engaging with the content, how long they've engaged with it. Did they share it internally? And so the, measurements have actually, I think, also increased in complexity. But if I don't see those signs, I wouldn't be able to expect it to have that long-term effect. But short-term, I can start to get indicators by setting these milestones, setting different kinds of measurements of success in the interim. I can begin to put that short and long-term together um, to learn faster and maybe adapt faster than if I waited until, you know, a campaign ran its full course. So I think both of those things are really important. That's really interesting what you just said, because as you mentioned, you know, in a B2B environment, 
the, the, the sales cycle or the cycle in general from marketing to sales and then becoming a new uh, or creating a new client is so much longer, right? You, you first have, you know, upper funnel, mid funnel, lower funnel activity that, that you're doing, right? And then you create a lead that goes over to the sales side, marketing qualified, sales qualified opportunities, conversations, et cetera. And depending on, you know, probably how expensive your product is, et cetera, it, it can take quite a long time, up to a year, maybe even sometimes longer from, from passing on the lead to, to closing, right? How do you, how do you change the view of your data points when you finally get information from the sales side, from close, because I get what you're saying, you set milestones. And I think that's really smart because you need to have something along the way to measure. And, and as you said, to identify early enough, something is going either right or wrong, right? But once you start seeing sales coming through from your activities, how do you use the data from there to bring it back to the beginning, to the marketing side, to probably also adjust your milestones potentially in your KPIs. Absolutely. So, you know, we have um, employed a, a third-party resource to help us with um, win-loss analysis. That win-loss analysis we take pretty seriously. So we are getting some of that. I mean, I can data what's happening. And now I, so I've got the quantitative. Now I want the qualitative to overlay against that. Um, so we do use win-loss analysis. What was important to you in the buying? Like, what were your evaluation criteria? How did we do in each one of the things that mattered to you? And again, we have this foundational framework of the best chance sales cycle that we're constantly returning back to. And we, we get surprised. Um, we thought this was so important in the buyer's mind. And then when we ask the buyer if that influenced their decision or not, sometimes we find out it didn't really have anything to do with it. And so we're trying to use data. Did they consume this content during the cycle? Did we take this step? Who were their references? Overlaying it with what the buyers told us mattered to them, whether we won or lost. It's like a double-edged sword. It's funny. Um, one of the, the principal uh, insights that came out of the um, win-loss analysis was how important empathy and communication were during the selling cycle. And it was both one of the reasons why we won and one of the reasons why we lost. So it's not enough to just look at that. We have to go one level deeper and unpack what does that mean um, in this sales cycle? What tools are we offering to sellers to make sure that um, they're communicating clearly and that they're offering empathy. And, and we go back into our selling machine and we look at what are the tools that our sellers have that are effective there. So um, again, I'm like a long answer person, but it's not one thing. It is tying those two things together, the data that I see with what I, I understand when I add qualitative um, facts to it as well. Really interesting. Now, before we come to the end of today's episode, um, how do you predict marketing will evolve in the near future? I think we're going to continue to see what we see in, in other areas. And that is people are not different people at work and in their private life. And so the kinds of expectations that even enterprise B2B buyers are more and more and more like what they are in their own personal buying decisions. So I see much more of a need for B2B marketers to adopt some of the cool B2C uh, kinds of tactics that we see. 
way more personalization, way more fusion of technology today that links you in your personal life to your professional life. So I think you'll start to see even maybe a little bit more, hopefully very good marketing, but interruption, less interruption, but more fusing of those kinds of tactics because you are who you are. We know who you are. And um, we can actually create great experiences that are data-driven on the B2B side, like the expectations that you have on the B2C side. So I think that, that you'll see the merging of those two, more personalization in the content um, and following you around, whether you're at work or at play. Perfect. Well, Sandra, thank you so much for joining me on the Performance Divide podcast and sharing your knowledge on the evolution of marketing against an increasingly resistant buyer. Now, if people want to find out more about you and um, your company, how can they get in touch? So they should get in touch with me on LinkedIn. I'm uh, happy, happy, happy to interact with individuals. Please don't try to sell me any more marketing technology. <laughs> uh, but you can find me on LinkedIn at Sandra Moran, and I'm with Workforce Software. Perfect. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. If you like the Performance Delivered podcast, please subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. If you want to find out more about Symphonic Digital, you can visit us at symphonicdigital.com or follow us on Twitter at Symphonic HQ. Thanks again and see you next time. Performance Delivered is sponsored by Symphonic Digital. Discover audience-focused and data-driven digital marketing solutions for small and medium businesses at symphonicdigital.com.